What is going on, Devil fans? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. Happy Easter to everybody out there. It is April 9th, Easter Sunday at 1025 a.m. We are down. It is our last day recording down in Florida, Jupiter, Florida, at the Pickles home. I'm sitting in this beautiful backyard. This is the first podcast that we've done where it's been light out. So we've been recording after the games had finished. And I had, I jot down notes during the game, so it's made it a little more difficult to to read when it's dark out. But it's a really nice Sunday. Um, just had some breakfast with the fam, and we're recording in the backyard. So um, I hope everybody is well, and I hope everybody's with their family or having some drinks uh, with their friends or going to church or whatever you do on Easter Sunday. I hope everybody's resting and is doing well after an exhausting day of hockey yesterday. Yesterday was pretty intense when it comes to being a Devils fan. There was a lot going on. You had the Luke Hughes situation. So Michigan loses. The Devils sign Luke Hughes to a three-year entry-level contract. He flies into Boston to join the team. You, you know, you got the video of him signing the contract. You got the Devils releasing his jersey. He's going to be wearing 43 the same way he has in uh, in Michigan, the same way that Quinn wears out in uh, Vancouver. Jack wore 43 for the U.S. Deve- uh, development program. And then he gets into Boston. There's video of him warming up with the team, doing the morning skate. There's a lot of good feels going around, smiles. And you could tell that Jack and Luke are really happy to and to be on the same ice together, which, I mean, I couldn't imagine playing on the same team as my brother professionally. That would be a dream come true. But it didn't stop there. So at 1230, you had a Hurricanes game that was super important to the Devils. Hurricanes go into Buffalo. Hurricanes lead the Devils by one point in the, for the division. And... Buffalo comes out and really plays amazing. I mean, if you guys aren't f- super familiar or don't get to watch a lot of Buffalo games, they are a team that in, is going to be really, really good in the future. Rasmus Dahlin, the 2018 overall number one overall pick, who, you know, the start of his career got off to a little bit of a rocky start, and that's what happens when you throw young defenseman, 18-year-old, 19-year-old defenseman right into the NHL. So a little foreshadowing, like you might want to give Luke Hughes a little bit of a pass and, and, and Simone Nemitz a little bit of a pass when they come and you start seeing them play because Rasmus Dahlin definitely got off to a rocky start. But, man, he has a Norris Trophy-type pedigree. I can definitely see a Norris Trophy in his future He's big. He's like six foot three. He's 200 pounds. He skates and has edge work as good as any big player I've seen in a very, very long time. He moves the puck well. He's not a liability defensively. And last night, he put on, or actually yesterday afternoon, he put on a serious show. He had a goal and two assists. The one assist was so pretty and was such an insane move. And he's had so much patience that Casey Middlestad actually let him lead the line to the bench because he was undeserving of doing it with the dish that that um, Darlene gave to him. Darlene also saved a goal with a really quick stick that prevented um, the Hurricanes from scoring a wide open net. So he really he stole the show for me. 
you know, you have uh, Devin Levi, who has come up and is now playing in the crease for, for Buffalo. He's 2-1-0 in his first three games. He played for uh, Canada as in the World Junior Championship. He's from Montreal. The kid has a ton of swag. He looks very confident. And they look like they have a future serious number one franchise goalie there. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't really turn it on in the next couple years and become uh, a household name amongst hockey fans. Now, we're all rooting for Buffalo at this point. And you have Tage Thompson had a goal, his 46th of the year, with 47 assists and 92 points. You had Peyton Cret, uh you had Peyton Krebs, J.J. Paterka, Jack Quinn, Alex Took, Owen Power, all of these guys. These guys, they're loaded with young talent. So Buffalo is going to be really good. And they were able to they were able to defeat the Hurricanes yesterday in what was a really good close game. And I'm sure the Devils were watching it, and they knew that they had an opportunity last night to beat the Boston Bruins, who were on pace to try to beat the devil, uh, the NHL's all-time record for most wins in a season by a team. So if they were to win last night, we would have been up one point on Carolina. Carolina would have had a game on us still. But either way, last night was an important one, and we, we all knew it. And that's why the NHL flexed it. The Devils played on ABC, nationally televised game, the first time that they've played on ABC in 20 years. I think a lot of people were really... Um, surprised when they saw Mackenzie Blackwood lead the team onto the ice last night. Totally did not see that coming. And we're going to get into all this. We're going to have the pickle on the show. We're going to have the big tickle on the show. But there's a lot of things that we have to go over about last night's game. Last night felt like a playoff game. There was a lot of physicality. Things got crazy at the end of the game. Um, you know, you got Mike McLeod, who's down, and Brad Marchand, Timo Meyer. Pasternak, Blackwood's goaltending. There's a, there was a lot going on last night. So we're going to dive into all this stuff. Um, and then we're also going to cover some questions that you guys have asked uh, regarding Mike McLeod's upcoming contract, who the Devils would rather play in the first round of the playoffs. And, uh, and we got to bring up the biggest subject to me, which is accountability and response from a team. Because time and time again, other teams are taking liberties with our players, and we just kind of stand by the wayside and we let it happen. And going into the playoffs, that shit's not going to fly. You're gonna, they're going to walk all over you in the playoffs if you don't stand up for yourself. So uh, we're going to jump into this in a little bit. In the meantime, uh, we'll talk soon. All right, here we are. We're back at the Trap Podcast. We have the big tickle on the line with us and we also have the pickle in the house it's actually his house so therefore we're in his house but uh welcome both of you guys let's go over last night's game so last night was obviously there was a lot going on um everyone was a little caught off guard to catch Mackenzie Blackwood as the starter last night what did you guys think when you heard that Blackwood was starting the game dad you go first very disappointed it's like a dark cloud you know it just does not give you the confidence that we're going to go in there and take care of business and come out in first place what about you Kyle yeah I mean I was pretty shocked uh not gonna lie um 
you know, again, we had addressed it on the, the podcast prior that we, we all thought that Blackwood would be starting against Columbus. That would be a way to kind of ease him in. Um, but I guess we did get to see, in retrospect, we did get to see Blackwood in, you know, a playoff-like atmosphere and how he might respond to that. Yeah. You know, so it, it was a, it was an ugly beginning. So the, obviously uh, Zaka scores on a deflection in front of the net for the first goal of the game, just two minutes in. Uh, that was a goal that pretty much anybody could have let up, in my opinion. Um, I, I didn't really necessarily blame Blackwood for that one. But the second goal, the second goal was real bad. Blackwood was way out of position. I mean, total lack of body control, came out, tried to be aggressive, and he he ended up too far out of the net and was spinning backwards back into the into the net. It was it was a horrible goal. It really was. And at that point, you know, you were only a couple minutes into the game and you were down two nothing versus arguably could be what if they end up finishing this thing out the way that they've started it, they could be arguably like the greatest team of all time. So that was a little concerning to me. I had had enough of Blackwood. They were playing to win the division. You're four minutes and 44 seconds into the game. Pablo Zaka's got two on you already. It's not looking really good, especially because Boston plays so well with a lead. You, you can't afford to give teams this good uh that kind of that kind of jump right from the beginning um what was crazy about the the whole blackwood situation is how well he played afterwards so he went from looking horrible i don't know if he read twitter during the intermission or what but for the rest of the game he played lights out uh and he looked very very confident he saw the puck great there were a couple plays that did concern me one, he looks sketchy handling the puck. He waits too long to get rid of the puck when it comes in on him. And then two, he actually played really aggressive last night. He wasn't sunken into the crease. He was coming out to the top of the crease. He was cutting down angles. He was using his frame. And he looked like he was seeing the puck great. The one concern I had was as he would come out, he was too aggressive to where he kind of would catch himself out of position if he let up a rebound. And that's kind of what happened on the second goal last night. But besides that, I thought Blackwood actually responded really well. He's typically been a kid who once he lets in a few bad ones, he kind of loses focus on the game and it turns into a whole whirlwind of trouble. And that wasn't the case last night, especially versus a team who peppered him with 40 shots. The whole 40 shots thing was a little suspect to me. They're saying that after the first period, there was 22 shots on net. It did not look like Boston had taken 22 shots on net. I don't care what anybody says. Whoever the statistician was, was definitely, there was some home cooking going on with that. There weren't 22 shots in the first period. Did you guys notice that? No, I wanted to go back and actually watch the game this morning, watch the first period and count them myself because I didn't think there were 22 shots. Yeah. That's, that sounded, that sounded a little, a little much. It's it's hard. It's hard. You can't I just you can't give a team like Boston a two goal lead. So in one in retrospect you look at it and you think to yourself, it was good to see Blackwood 
at this point, you got to think that they're riding Blackwood out for the playoffs. Like, regardless of what we think, regardless of whether we want Schmid, regardless of whether uh, we think Blackwood deserves any time or is too inconsistent, it looks like they're going to ride him out. It was good to see him bounce back and really play very, very strong for the final 40 minutes of the game, or actually, you know, besides the first five minutes of the game, he played the the other 55 minutes pretty damn good, but it's too late once you give up two goals. That's his M.O. His M.O. is inconsistency. It's always been being inconsistent, looking like a superstar and then looking like a dud. Yeah, I mean, everyone who, who lives, anyone who listens to the podcast you know, by now knows that, you know, we are not the biggest Mackenzie Blackwood fans. Um, he did have a rough five, six minutes in the first period, but you do kind of have to hand it to him. I mean, let's just call it like it is. He did play pretty darn well for the remainder of the game. Uh, Bill, like you said, he, you know, he was a little, you know, tentative with the puck, which could have caused a, you know, a couple defensive turnovers or breakdowns, but for the most part, I think he did play pretty well. And if, you know, going into the game, you had said that Boston was going to score two goals with Mackenzie Blackwood in net, I think he would have been pretty happy. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to really blame him when you don't have any run support. If you said the Devils were going to score one goal and beat the Bruins, it doesn't matter who's playing in net. So if Schmidt, you know, it's like. I don't like a mob mentality. We've gotten on Miles Wood. We've gotten on Blackwood. At some point, we got on McLeod, which we'll get into. But if I like to, one of the things I pride myself on is I call things like I see it. The second goal was really ugly. There's no doubt about it. But shit happens. That's why you play the game. He did play really well afterwards, and he didn't have any run support. So the Devils end up scoring the next goal. It looked like the game was about to get away from him. And the Devils end up scoring the next goal on a beautiful feed from Jack Hughes to Jesper Bratt, who really put on a sick move on Olmark and was able to to put one away. You know, Olmark is looks like he's going to win the the Vesna Trophy. It's it's hard when you're down two nothing. You're on the road. You're playing a team who's trying to play for the most wins by any NHL franchise in the in the league's history. Um, and meanwhile, the Devils were playing for a lot, too. Jack Hughes ties uh, Patrick Eliash's point total for most points in a Devils season. You still had Dougie Hamilton, who's chasing Scott Stevens for points from a defenseman. And they're also playing for first place. They also have 50 wins. They're looking for 51 wins. And, they, uh, and now they're playing for first place. You'd like to think that the Devils were watching the, or at least were aware of the outcome of the Carolina game during the afternoon. But... This had a real playoff-type feel to it. If you notice, the Devils play... Well, obviously you notice, but the Devils play off the rush. Boston did not give a lot of rush opportunities against the Devils last night. They played very good, and they've done that in the two games in December. They did the same thing. The league obviously knew that this was a huge game, and they flexed it and turned it into an ABC um, primetime game which was exciting to see the Devils get a little bit of uh, national recognition. Dad, you were clearly not a fan of the broadcast last night. No, I think their camera work stinks. They're splitting the screen while they're, you know, while, while they're playing, showing pictures of, uh, you know, 
that showing pictures of the coach on there. It's like I want to watch the game. Uh, I don't. I don't care what what he's doing on the bench. You weren't a fan of um, the intermission. No, I wasn't a fan of any of it. <laughs> no, we know. Yeah, it was. Dad was not happy with the game last night. He kept going on. Um, what What did you think of the Devils being presented on national television? You know, not even on cable, just regular TV, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, again, the broadcast. The, yeah, there were a couple things that I didn't like about it, but yeah, I mean, first time on ABC in twenty years, uh, having them flex. Just seeing that, you know, networks and the NHL are kind of giving the devils their due a little bit. Um, what's not to love about that? Deflexing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> devils go into the second period. It's two to one. They settled the game down a little bit. <clears throat> they got that goal from Brat, and the game kind of we actually we actually brought a little pressure towards the end of the first period. Second period, we came out. We played a little better. I thought Boston still really kept the high danger scoring chances away from us. There at no point that I, you know, we had a couple odd man rushes. There was a four on four at one point that was pretty interesting. It opened up a lot of ice and Marino, we went in on a three on one Marino had an opportunity and he couldn't move the puck. He couldn't get a shot on net. He actually turned the puck over and it ended up going the other way. There were two breakaways that went back-to-back between Jack Hughes, who got stuffed on one, and then Pasternak got stuffed on one by Blackwood. Uh, it was a feisty game. It, it was an old school. It looked like it looked like a game that you could see these two teams playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, to be honest with you. Um, Nico took a stick to the face behind the net and turned into a scrum in front of the net where he got punched in the face, and then he threw a couple and actually busted the dude up a little bit. But there was no there was no penalty called on it. I thought I thought the refereeing was actually legit. The Devils had the advantage when it came to penalty minutes. They gave uh, Sharon Govich's got high stick. They gave him a four minute penalty that ended the second period, and the Devils really weren't able to do anything against the league's best penalty kill. Um, you know, one of the one of the key factors I think really last night was you saw that Eric Halla wasn't in the lineup. And that third line really was awful the entire night. They moved Sharon Govich up, and they were playing him with with Meyer and Boquist. And Boquist is obviously a complimentary type player. Halla brings a lot to the line. Halla brings a lot to the team. I mean, think about it. Any line that Halla has played on so far this year has been one of the, the Devils' stronger lines. So while he didn't score and didn't finish with the Hughes line, Hughes went on that crazy point streak and crazy goal goal streak and then they move him to the third line which where he probably belongs they put Meyer on his wing and that third line has been great tonight it was just brutal Igor Sharangovich was the second worst analytic player on the Devils behind Jonas Siegenthaler and Jesper Boquist was third worst you know it's it, Hall is going to be a really important part of this team going into the playoffs he has experience he knows how to play like a grown man and he's obviously been putting the puck in the back of the net. You know, one of the guys who I'm starting to realize they get they they gave they made Siegenthaler a healthy scratch. What was that like a month ago or like roughly? And I thought to myself, they're just letting him get some. You know, they're letting him letting his body repair and, and whatnot. He's the type of guy that needs to play. Like 
I think he, I think he, you know, Kyle brought it up and said, I think he like questions himself when he was a healthy scratch, he came back in and he like questioned his decision-making with the puck. And I thought to myself, nah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that because he is such a solid defenseman. He's been playing for a couple years now, but the truth is he's only been a starter for about a year and a half, two years where he's been a solid rock solid defenseman who plays every game. They didn't have room for him in Washington. And the two games that he's been a healthy scratch, when he's come back, he has looked pretty bad. Like, I think you don't want that guy second-guessing himself. Just just ride him out. He's young, he's big enough, um, and he's smart enough. Don't give him any time to start overthinking shit. Yeah, he's not somebody that I, I'm really worried about. He wouldn't be one of the players that I would be concerned about on the team. About resting, well. Yeah. Um, he had a he had a rough go of it last night for sure. Um, you know, we could jump right into it. Why not? So the the Devils weren't able to get anything going. They they tried to push, and I I thought Boston really played really st- structured, well well rounded game to be honest with you, especially towards the end. And then you had this this hit on Mike McLeod by Brad Marchant, and it's like, you know. That's a penalty that is a very questionable. You, so you can hit a guy in the head as long as his body is the is the um, first point of contact, is the primary point of contact. So it was a questionable call. That to me, Brad Marchand does not get any. He 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 doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. You've seen it's time and time and time again that this guy has intentionally tried to injure players in the NHL. Absolutely. I understand that he is a good player. I understand that he plays on a line with Patrice Bergeron and scores big goals and has won Stanley Cups. That does not give you the right to try to injure players during a game. The Mike McLeod hit, which I have brought this up in previous podcasts, Mike McLeod skates with his head down. This was going to happen sooner or later. Right. He flies through the neutral zone without looking up, and he is about to get murdered. And it happened last night. The only thing was he wasn't even in the neutral zone. He was in the defensive zone. He was getting rid of the puck, and it was really kind of Marshawn really had to go out of his way to make that hit. It was was unnecessary. It wasn't like he was gaining the zone. It was a really strange play. Whether you want to call it a penalty or not, I – I think it is, to be honest with you. I would have called that a penalty. We would have called it a penalty on McLeod uh, the last game when he put his hand into, uh, I think it was Russ Spack. Yeah, but that whoever. doesn't, I, I mean, I'm just saying I'm just that, calling that each play as them, it is. Kyle, we are what, calling them the way, the way we see them. And you saw him move move upwards with his arm going up and McLeod's head snapping back. It's he hit him like, in the head and he snapped back and McLeod was clearly dazed. He He's... In concussions, for yeah. sure, and that hurts. I mean, he's our best face-off. He's our base. You know, he's the our best in the in the circle for us, and he's a guy that we we use a lot in a lot of different parts of the game. I mean, he takes big face-offs in the at the end of a game if we're trying to score a goal, if we're trying to prevent the other team from scoring a goal. He's on the penalty kill. He's played really well. He basically drives our fourth line. What Kyle, what did you think of that hit last night as far as a penalty and if it was dirty or not? Um, just as long as we're talking about face-offs before I get into the 
to the Marshawn hit. Did you see um, Jack Hughes beat Bergeron? Jack Hughes Bergeron lead. I, I was I was so so proud of him. Uh, I stood I up. That, I thought that I was stood great. up. But the, the man grabbed I his chest. Was... I grabbed my chest. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Um, to be honest, um, it, it I felt like it could have gone either way. I'm not super, you know butthurt about uh them not making you know calling calling a penalty on that if it was if it was the other way i i would be i would have been pissed off if that hit was on marshawn and, and mcleod laid that hit i don't think it was a flagrant headshot he, he he caught him he caught him in the head but it i don't think that there was uh, um, he, I'm, okay, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here. So here's now. Here's my point. I'm kind of in the same boat. I thought. I thought it could have been a penalty. I think it was. He had the intention to really try to hurt him, regardless of whether it was a penalty or not. It was just a hit. How many times yeah, did we see I mean, a big hit where a team sticks up for their player? Ready? So now here is where I go straight. Mike Francesa on the Devils. What's wrong with you people? Like, what is wrong with you people? Oh. How many times are you going to let players take liberties with your captain? Like, first of all, Nico Heischer gets literally assaulted game in and game out. Nobody on the team sticks up for him. They play like a bunch of fucking frat boys. There is no men on that team. The only guy that stood up was Timo Meyer, who laid into Pasternak at the end of the game just as a show of... Fuck you. Like, right. that's not how it's going to go. They went after his, their best player. There was, you could have went after Pasternak or you could have went after Bergeron. Those are the only two people that you could have hit that late in the game that would have really proved a point to where you weren't going to take it. But time in and time out, the Devils let people just take liberties with them. They don't come in hard. They don't stand up. They don't drop their gloves. Nico Heischer fell into... Barkov's leg and literally got assaulted for the next two games afterwards and nobody had anything to say about it. If they think they're going to go into the playoffs and they're going to be as soft as they are right now, they're going to lose straight up. The only team they'll be able to beat is the New York Rangers because the Rangers are a bunch of prima donnas. But at some point, start being men and quit acting like you're some you know, triple-A travel hockey team who's can play with speed the entire time. You're grown men. Play the game like a, you're supposed to be a brotherhood. You're supposed to be playing for one another. They don't. They flat-out don't. And it's gotten to the point where I don't give a shit if you're Mike McLeod or if you're Sharon Govich or if you're, hell, if Curtis Lazar comes up and he gets run from behind, can we start to have a little bit of unity where they ain't going to take shit? At the end of the game last night, the Boston Bruins emptied their bench and stood at center ice and waited for someone to talk shit to beat right, somebody right. up. We were like cowering, walking off the ice. I'm so sick and tired of this happening, and it's happening to Heischer over and over and over. And then I'm the first person to complain about Jack Hughes waving his stick like a wand when the puck's in his own zone because he's scared to get hit. Well, he's scared to get hit, too, because no one's going to stick up for who's him if he gets blown back. up. Yeah, who's got his back? Miles Wood, yo, you're supposed to be the veteran, the old guy on the team. Brendan Smith, you're supposed to be the veteran, the big physical guy on the team. It's like Kevin Ball, you're seven foot seven or whatever. You're 190, uh, you know, inches tall. It's like, right, right. 
where the only person on that line that, that, you know, if Tatar doesn't take a run at somebody or go after somebody when he sure gets hurt, I mean, you know, you got Dawson Mercer went in and grabbed somebody and stuff. That's not a response. He's like a, he's like a freaking golden retriever. It's I not mean, a response. Like you're not a worried, worried about getting bit by that. You got to have your D guys jumping up and ball came up, but it's not, but they didn't do anything. It's like just grabbing people. Dawson Mercer doesn't get let off the hook. He's the same as every other player on our team. If you're going to go in, go in and drop your gloves and get a couple shots in to let people know that you're not going to stand for this. Do you think it's not going to get any easier in the playoffs? If we get past the Rangers, any other team that we play, Tampa will definitely do this to us. Boston's going to do it. The Hurricanes will do it. The Islanders will do it. Toronto will do it. They see that we are soft. That was a that was on national television. A lot of people watched that game, despite everybody playing last night for the first time in NHL history. Every single team played right. yesterday. But my point is, you're about to go into the playoffs. You will lose just based upon the toughness mentality that you have going in. It's like, you know, uh, I feel like Jack Hughes just got a bullseye put on his back. They know that nobody's going to respond. It's like you can't do that, man. And and we have the guys. We definitely have the guys. We have the size and everything else. It's we got to play tougher. It's, it's we the play willingness. Tougher. That's all it is. It doesn't matter about your size. It matters about the size of your heart. And it matters about the respect you have for your teammates. It is a willingness. Nobody wants to get punched in the face. No one wakes up one day and says, I'm going to get into a fight today, and I'm going to get beat up. You watch those like old documentaries on Bob Prober and Chris King and all these players. Those guys all said, I went to bed the night before knowing that I was going to wake up and I was going to fight Ken Danico the next day. He's like, you don't think that, that I woke up and I thought, Jesus, like, what am I doing with myself? Nobody wants to get punched in the face. I don't care how tough you are. It's like it's you have to be willing to do it. And other teams are willing to do it, and yeah. we aren't. Well, and you knew once, that this once, was once again, once again, it was it was Nico who got high sticked and then basically got mauled, um, you know, for just being in front of the net and had to, you know, finish his own fight. Uh, once again, I think that that you know, obviously, people want to lay Jack out, but teams there's a reason there's a reason why teams keep going after nico time and time again they see that he is the the heart of the team and it's like if you could get him get him down then you know well well also he it, doesn't let up the puck either no, that, i mean he's yeah. going to he, he's he going to use his to the, body he goes to the hard parts of the ice too so he and he he does he holds on to the puck and he goes in front of the net Jack wands everything around and just plays on the perimeter and doesn't put himself in any situations where he's going to get any physicality involved at all. What's going to happen is when Jack's, right. when, Jack's, right. when Jack's trying to slice the middle of the ice up when he's skating with speed, someone's going to step up and put, put their shoulder into him. Old time Scotty. And, and, and it's like that's when you wonder what kind of response it's going to have. But Nico Heischer getting sticked and cross-checked into the back, into the boards with his head and punched in the back of the head and this game in and game out and nobody doing anything for it the response from the team is lame you guys you guys look like you don't belong there like that's not the way teams who are in third place in the league play you have to have toughness and they don't have any toughness the guys that are supposed to be tough 
are not being tough. And you're making guys like Tatar, who is not tough, stand up because he knows the right way to play the game and, and get in there. And Hala and Timo. I mean, you knew going into this game that it was going to be a tough game. Uh, I threw my retro Peluso jersey back on because you just knew this was this was a really important game for both of them, and they're going to play physical. Um, but, you know, playing physical and just protecting your captain who does seems like he does everything right for us. It's like this should be second nature to us. So I, I totally, totally agree with Billy. And we gotta, we gotta either step it up or step it out, and because we're not gonna win playing like that, people have to be afraid of doing shit like that. There has to be consequences. Not. They're not. There is, yeah. And you got guys, you know, you got Kevin Ball, who's six foot seven. Even Dougie, it's you know, he's not a fighter and stuff. But we got some, you know, our giant defensive core. Step up. Don't worry about them. You know. Don't worry about the face-off coming outside. Go in there and go get them. Take a penalty. That's a penalty worth taking. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, t I totally uh, agree with everything that you guys are saying. Um, and maybe just shift, shifting gears a little bit. Wait, wait, I before, do think before, that the Devils... Real quick, before sure. you do that, I'm going to give you the, the floor. After the, after the Marchant hit, nobody went after him at all. And he actually went after us again. No, absolutely. And nobody did anything. Yeah, yeah. You're losing the game. The Devils, this was a game that the Devils wanted to win but could have afforded to lose. That was a time when you would have, he did it right in front of your bench and nobody did a freaking thing. What happened to payback? Nothing. What happened to payback? So I just think that this is, this is something that's seriously lacking with the team. Um no, uh, no, I agree. And believe me, I've been a vocal advocate of of this, you know, exact point for, you know, pretty much every podcast that I've, I've done with you guys. Um, that being said, we also did say maybe two or three podcasts back that, you know, we didn't want to get off our game. You know, we thought we were going to be for sure playing the Rangers, which, which again, it probably looks like we will be. We didn't want to, to alter our game to try and play their game, you know? So you have to stick up for your guys. I think that I'm just saying, I think that there's, there's a fine balance. What, what our priority was at that point in the game after the Marshawn hit was to come out and, and tie the thing up and, you know, going out and, and trying to get, you know, vengeance, you're, you're letting the game slip away from you and, you know, and we're trying to, trying to win our division. No, you, you, that's all, that's, it, all I'm, that's all I'm trying to say. But, but listen, you don't have to spend the whole game doing it. You react right at the time of the incident and you react and then both guys get five minute penalties and you take one of their players off the ice and you take your player off the ice. He gets a 10 minute misconduct and then you go back to playing the game the right way. You don't turn this into uh, right. into a 1970s Flyers game where you're going to fight for the next 10 minutes of the game. But you have to have some sort of response. If anything, it made us look you prevent weak. further incidents from happening. You know, no, the response was the, the, the response was it was admittedly non-existent i wouldn't even say weak yeah so i mean to see timo take a run not take a run but finish a check with posternock at the end of a game in a meaningless situation it was his 
response to, you know what, like, we could play this game. Like, he responded. And he is a big dude to where Pasternak's feet were off the ice. Absolutely. And Pasternak's not some weak kid either. Like, he's not some skinny little kid. He gave him a rough ride, and you saw how, how pissed Boston got. That's the same response that the devil should have when Nico Heesh, when we're winning 8-1 to one the other night and Nico Heischer is getting his head smashed into the dasher board in the glass in the corner with five minutes left in the game. That's the same exact response. At that point, let the dogs out. Send your fourth line out there and go kick somebody's ass. Like Let Wood finally earn his pay. Earn your pay, dude. Like... Not for nothing, but Brad Marchant might have had that play because he hasn't scored a goal in 14 games, and he wants to be an impact player on the ice. Is it 14 or is it 20 now? I thought it was like no, 20 I, games. Yes. No, I think it's 14 games, and it's like you—that's him trying to be involved in the game. Like when Wood was out, and then he came back in. His response to me when he went after Brady Kachuk, it was like, okay, at least he's showing that, like. He hasn't been on the board lately, but he wants to be involved and he wants to be a difference maker. What What now? I mean, you could have thrown... There's a lot of guys that could have stepped up. It, it was very disappointing to me. But can, can I ask you? Can I ask both of you a question now? Sure. What did you guys think of Wood last night? Would you like to ask a question right at this particular time? Would you like to do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought the fourth line was really bad. I didn't, you know, Woods, thought, like, to me, I thought he's kind of non-existent. So I'm looking at the underlying he, numbers. He, 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 he was, was he was non-existent. He he obviously drew the one the, the one cross-checking penalty. Um, and to be honest, I thought that he uh, earlier he should have drawn another penalty in the offensive zone, which is you know pretty much the exact opposite of what he typically does. And I thought that was kind of a missed call. By right. The it happened. But... It happened before he actually did draw. The yes, penalty, exactly. Right. Yeah. He could have yeah. gotten at yep. me yep. for that one, though, too. I think that the the more he flails when he goes down, you know, the less right. they're going to look at that and say, you know, boy, you know, that was a penalty. He, he was he I'm was just saying he was he, one of the most um, Non insignificant players on the team last night, he, just by stats and everything too. He threw four hits, so like that was his contribution. And then he had that he had the penalty. He had one shot on goal. He was zero point zero one expected goals for. He was literally one of the lowest on the team. If you go to our expected goals percentage, he where, actually he where actually the team just, will end up on. He, he was actually the lowest. Meyer was at forty six percent. I'm saying my entire point was um, that he he didn't draw a significant amount of attention to himself as being a outstandingly bad, bad. Yeah. Oh wow! Congratulations. So, no, which is a step he in didn't the right hurt him. <laughs> You know who did look good was the 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 Brat Hughes combination. They drove play last night, so they actually drew, when they were on the ice, they they were our by far our best line, and they were above 50% in expected goals, the only two players on the team. Actually, Graves was a, was a 52%. They ended up moving Palat off of the second line and brought Timo up because of the troubles of the third line without Halla. Now, Palat is another situation that the Devils fans have given this guy so much freaking leash. It's like they have turned a blind eye and have let him struggle. But time is ticking, dude. You got two games. 
And I understand that Andre Pilat is a playoff player, but you're getting paid $6 million. You have been literally non-existent for 20 games. Last night, he his expected goals, he, he was one of those stronger analytical players, but it's not going to be long before people really turn on him. Uh, so, it, and it's in the devil, it's in the devil's best interest for him to get a couple on the net and just get the monkey off of his back. Cause once it, once he gets that off of his back, I feel like they're going to start going in, not in bunches, but the thing I worry about with Pilat is I love Pilat. I loved Pilat watching him in the playoffs with Tampa for forever. That's really, really hard to recreate your playoff success that he had with Tampa. That's like catching lightning in a bottle. He caught it twice. That's like catching lightning in a bottle three times. And he's had a really, really rough regular season. He was hurt for almost half the season. He hasn't done anything since he's come back. And now we're expecting him to play really great in the playoffs. And it's like the odds are stacked against him. Do you think he's still playing with an injury? Do you think he's not fully healed? Well, he had a groin surgery. Yeah, he, had, he had groin surgery yeah. that takes a long time. Yeah, absolutely, it, it's going to take another year. I'm not saying that the guy's going to be bad for. He's, we got him for what five or six years. It's like I, I think he's going to be he's going to be fine. But you're going to get the fan base on you soon. They've given him a lot of leash. Like right. it's like they've they respect him, which is nice to see from our fan base for once. It's like they know what he has done and what he's capable of and how much he was beloved in Tampa. But at some point, you got to start finishing, dude. Like, you're too important of a piece of this puzzle. You're going to need him in the playoffs. And it's like, if he doesn't do anything in the playoffs, people are really going to get on him. Right. But I, I, you know, I'm not super worried about him. I think that he is the kind of guy that will step up his, step up his game, you know, when playoffs come. 17th, that's when he gets going. I I did see some negativity uh, on on Twitter last night regarding, you know, regarding Pilat, um, which, again, as Bill said, he's, you know, been given a lot of leech by the fan base, um, myself in particular. And he's, you know, we were probably three or four podcasts back, uh, Bill. We were, you know, he had, he had, a, he had a, a stretch of, of really strong games. He didn't have, have any goals, but, again, he had, he had a lot of opportunities. Um, but again, yeah, you're hoping he's going to, you know, shift it into that next gear, you know, come the playoffs and I don't know, it's, I think the fact that we saw, it's becoming a little worrisome. I think the fact that we saw how tough he is and, and how good he can be when he lost three teeth, got, you know, 30 something stitches in his mouth, comes back out the next period you know, scores a really big goal for us. It's like, yeah, no one's denying. We, we know who he is and, you know, everybody goes through bad patches. I'm, you know, I'm hoping that, that his bad patch isn't yeah. going to last a long I, time. I hope it gets it turned around quick. Um, we had a couple of questions. One of them is from uh, hockey on high. They said, are you signing fourth line Mike McLeod Three-year, 1.75 AAV. Is that too low for a top face-off center? What do you think the next Mike McLeod contract is going to look like? Dad, you go first. He's a fourth-line player, and I know we use him in a lot of different situations. You know, he could be a $2 million a year player. You know, that's, that's what I, that's for, what for I think he is. Three years. I think, you know, I think anything longer, you, you know, you just don't know. You just don't know. He's not, you know, he's not putting a lot. 
he's doing a lot of he's doing a lot of things that you know that don't show up on the score sheet you know being a being a as strong a face-off guy as he is and being able to play on the penalty kill it's well that shows well that shows up on the score sheet your face-off win i mean being the number one face-off guy in the nhl people know that shit do you think he's worth more than two million dollars a year for three years i i don't maybe i don't that's that's it if you were asking me that's where i would put him what about you kyle I think if we got him for two million dollars for three or four years, that would be that would be a steal. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Sharon Govich is getting paid uh, what, like four million? Is that double? Sharon Govich is double. No, power. he's not getting four million, is he? Yeah, I think so. Let me pull it up. I thought he was getting under two. Go ahead, Kyle. This is your. This is your. I'd say just 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 even in the last half of the season, I think that he's really you know he's obviously still a very young player. Um, I think that he's really come into his own and we, you know, you need guys that aren't going to be, that aren't necessarily the superstars that are getting all the highlights and stuff, but he does a lot of stuff that is really beneficial and complementary to what the devils need right now. And, and, you know, moving forward, um, he's, you know, he's got a lot of grit and he's got speed Again, incredible with with the face off. He he can you know. I think he's really good on the on the penalty kill. I think he he. He's, I think you have to give him a, sh- a look without Wood. Like when he played with Foot, right? And they put Sharon Govich down there, and it was Foot, Sharon Govich, and McLeod. That line played really good. It was only two games. Sharon Go- Govich is a four million dollar, but it's spread over two years, so it's two million bucks. I, I think he's better than Sharon Govich. Um, Wood's getting what three point six. Yeah, but that's based off of what he did two years ago. Right, he was right. he was hurt last year, so he didn't have anything to negotiate off. So they they gave him that. Would would be gone? But um, yeah, I would be if you can give this with this question. Uh, I, if you can give yeah, Michael, if you could get him for one point seven five, yeah, I would. I would, would definitely be, do that. I'd be thrilled with that. Yeah, totally. Um, we have a question from a friend of the program, Mister Sean Matthews, uh, who's out in Colorado right now. He was saying, Big "Would you shout out to Sean? Sean Stuz. He's he's somebody that uh, we could talk hockey with all day, and uh, we'll have him on the program at some point. But he was asking, would you guys rather see us play Florida or the Rangers? And I'm gonna just expand this a little bit, and we're gonna say who we're gonna add the Islanders in there too. So to go through this real quick, the Devils played the Rangers this year four times. They were three zero and one, and then the Devils played the Islanders." Three times they were one and two, but they're two and six. Uh, wait, two and six over their last eight games. The Devils played Florida on March 18th. They lost. Um, we won four to two. Wait, did we win? No, we lost the last game against Florida. We were there. They scored three in the third. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So. We won four to two December twenty first, and we lost four to two on December seventeenth. So, we were one and two against Florida. Who would you guys? Who do you guys want to see us play in the playoffs? The Rangers, the Isles, and Florida. Obviously, my ideal matchup. I have my hand raised in the air. Is uh, Pittsburgh Penguins? Please, yeah, definitely. send them my way. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But what do you? Uh, we'll start with you, Kyle. Who would you rather see? The the, the Rangers, the Isles, or Florida? I mean, this is 
totally selfish. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm with you, Kyle. I think that we're, I, yeah, I think I, we're going to wind up playing the Rangers in the playoffs most likely anyway. Um, you know, I love, there's nothing I love more on this earth, you know, aside from my children, um, than, you know, a, a Devil's Rangers playoff series. Um, but living in Florida and being an hour from, you know, Sunrise and PB&T Center, if we could get that, if we could get that in the first round, that would be, that would be huge for us because we would just be able to, to hit, I would be able to hit so many and dad would be able to hit so many yeah. in the playoff. You guys are so, so we're going to be, we are selfish and, I know. That's, and, that's, <laughs> and I'm with you, Kyle. <laughs> right. But I, but, but I, but I do think that, I do think that we would be able to, to, to beat Florida in, you know, a seven game series. It might not be as good of a matchup against the Rangers, but it's a brand new season. It's a crapshoot. Um, they play I'm tough, just, man. Uh, again, they do. They're much they more do. physical. They do. Yeah, it, which would be very difficult for us. But but again, you know, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs, and you know, hopefully, all of our players come out and you know rise to the occasion. So we could we could lose in four games to the Rangers. So it's like, I want I want to see as much playoff hockey after going through this drought for. For how many years, um, as I can, and just be out there, you know, supporting the Devils. What about you, Dad? Matchup. All right, you want to go to all the games. You're going to come up to New right. Jersey anyway. Exactly. I'm going to come up to Jersey anyway, and I'm going to go to the Ranger games and stuff. I think we match up best against the Rangers, but you know, even though the you know whatever the records say that we did this year or whatever, I think we could beat all three of those teams. I really do. I think that our team is good enough to beat anybody. They've showed that. They've shown that. that yeah, they but could. in a seven-game series, we haven't shown that we could beat somebody four out of seven times compared the Rangers, to maybe. Yeah. We played them four. I times. know. So that's yeah. not everybody. I'm saying the, the Islanders. We've won two in our last eight. Right. I would, I can't get the first Islander game out of my head where we were just like, we just dominated so bad. I was like, oh, my God. But the last two games, they dominated us. I mean, we the, the numbers no, don't I lie, know. dude. I like, know. I know. I know. You win two in, in eight games. And, you know, that was when we were on our. You know, it's can we take it to the next level? It's like we have the talent for sure. So who would you want to see us play? I want to see us play the Rangers. Okay. Yeah, I would rather Sorry, see us. Kyle. I would rather see us play the Rangers too. Um, I just don't think that the Rangers put enough emphasis on neutral zone play and being hard away from the puck, and that's what where we thrive. Now, I also think that if they play the Rangers, depending on what happens on Tuesday and Thursday of next week, it could be an opportunity to where. If Luke Hughes looks good, he's going to get some looks. He's going to play Tuesday at home. It's going to be his first game. Wow, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be crazy, and uh, I'm going to be coming home tomorrow, and I'll be at the game on Tuesday, and I know that that's going to be – there's going to be a lot of excitement in the air. The Devils' final home game to to break their – would it be breaking or tying their all-time record for most wins in a season? I think it's tying, isn't it? Um, So – we're going to have that to look forward to. We're going to have Jack Hughes looking to break the um, the all-time points record by a Devils player. 
with he'll need 97. He's got 96 right now to beat Patrick Eliash, and he's admitted that he wants to break it. Uh, you got Dougie Hamilton, and then our chance to see Luke Hughes play for the first time in a Devils uniform is something special, especially in a game where it's not the end of the world if he makes a bad pass or something like that. They're going to play a team in Buffalo who I talked about in the opening monologue that is really good. Not only are they fast and can score and have a ton of talent, they play pretty damn physical too. Yeah, they're tough. So that's going to be something to where I hope our guys are, you know, have their head on a swivel because they um they're going to need to they're going to need to play well if they want to beat Buffalo straight up. And that might be a team where Luke Hughes might be a little uh He's not going to be able to turn the puck over versus them because they will they will put it in the back of the net. And then it looks like we're not going to be able to win the division at this point. But if you win one game between the Buffalo game and Washington, you do get the home ice advantage versus the Rangers. The playoffs start on the 17th. That doesn't mean necessarily that the Devils are going to start their series on the 17th. It could be the 18th or the 19th. And um, it'll be awesome. I'll be there for games one and two, and then we bought tickets to game six at the Garden, game five and seven. So I like the Devils' chances versus the Rangers. I wanted to see them win a division. I think that's what you go out and you set out your goal for at the beginning of the year. I think it's not fair to the kids if you tell them, all right, we're going to start playing all these new players, and we're going to – Lindy Ruff said he's going to bring up players from Utica. Can you imagine if they brought Nemitz up? Or if they brought Holtz up, or if they brought somebody that maybe plays with a little more grit, like a Tice Thompson or something to play on the fourth line. Like I'm curious to see who he wants to take a look at before the season starts and maybe give some of his regulars some rest. Um, but either way, it's uh, it's it's going to be a fun last week of the season, that's for sure. What is today's date? It's the 9th. So the playoffs start literally Monday, 17th. Wow. Day I fly up. Playoff hockey is just unlike anything else. I mean, and I love it when the Devils aren't even in it. And now, not only are they in it, but they look like they could really do some damage. It's curious. I'm curious to watch all the other games, too, because the Eastern Conference is going to be so fun. So many good teams. So many good matchups. Think about that Toronto-Tampa round one matchup. Or think about if you have Florida squeak in and you get a Florida-Boston first round matchup. You get a Tampa-Toronto first-round matchup, and then you get a Devils-Rangers first-round matchup. Holy moly, that's a lot of good hockey. Kyle, you got anything else for us, brother? I mean, if they're bringing people up from Utica, I'd like to see Gritsuk. Well, he's not in Is Utica. He... He's in he's in Russia. Oh, he's not? Oh, he's, oh, he's still over in Russia. In he's I never he's like, never getting out of there. <laughs> yeah, I think he's. he's I, I, I think he's uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere by Chernobyl in a tank. It's like, yeah, there. He he's in Russia doing his thing. So, um, it would be like a. You have to think it, it's going to be Foot, Thompson. These are the the people that it would be like Foot, Thompson, Holtz, Nemitz, Graham Clark. That's it, really. And I mean, like, how many players are you really going right. to sit? You know what I mean, like. That would be the last day of the season. That's when you just bring everybody in, let everybody play. But you're going to have Luke Hughes, and that's going to be that should be enough fun for everybody. But 
Yeah. Let's just win Tuesday's game so we guarantee our home ice advantage and then let all those guys play. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, that's the that's the goal, I think. All right, guys. Well, well, happy Easter to everyone. Happy uh, Bill and Dad, thank you. Thank you for having me on the pod. I always appreciate it. Yeah, man. Happy Easter. Send everybody our best. Happy Easter to all you out there listening. And we will get back to you soon. You are listening to The Trap Podcast. My name is Bill Botch. Thanks for checking us out. And we will talk soon. Happy Easter, Kyle. Peace.